just over a decade ago, an earthquake off the coast of Japan triggered a tsunami that led to the accident at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. The Fukushima Daiichi accident was a real wake-up call for us. That's Rumina Velshi, the CEO of Canada's nuclear regulator. We will hear from Rumina as we explore what nuclear safety improvements have been made since the accident in 2011 and whether they are sufficient. I am Miklos Gaspar. I'm Joanne Liu. This is Nuclear Explained. In this episode on nuclear safety, we will also hear from the UK's former Chief Nuclear Safety Inspector and the senior official who coordinated the IAEA Action Plan to strengthen nuclear safety globally. While the UN Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation concluded that nobody died from radiation exposure as a result of the accident at Fukushima Daiichi, this very serious accident ushered in a new era in nuclear safety. In the wake of the accident, governments, regulators, and operators began to further improve the resilience of nuclear power plants against natural disasters. They also set out to strengthen safety culture and empower regulators. After all, Japan's nuclear regulator had already recommended before the tsunami for plants to raise their coastal dikes in preparation for extremely high waves. Just 12 kilometers south of Daiichi, the Fukushima Daini nuclear power plant complied and survived the earthquake and tsunami unharmed. Daiichi, by contrast, was left exposed to the elements. Japan and other countries operating nuclear power plants have learned the lessons of the accident and under the guidance of the IAEA have made major improvements to nuclear safety. There is no such thing as zero risk though. As you will learn from this podcast, there has been a shift in mindset. Rather than calculating the likelihood of accidents and implementing prevention measures, the focus is now on ensuring that there's an adequate response in place to protect people and the environment should something go wrong. Joining us from the UK, Mike Waitman will give us an overview of safety in the nuclear industry. My name is Mike Waitman. I'm a retired person who was uh, managed as chief inspector of nuclear installations in the UK, head of the nuclear regulatory body for nuclear safety and security. Mike granted operating licenses for nuclear facilities and oversaw inspections and safety assessments. If you just look at the data, nuclear industry is very, very safe comparatively, especially when you take long-term effects into account from uh, coal uh, discharges, uh, coal station discharges, or there are hydrocarbon aspects there. Or even when you look at it in relation to the statistics of road transport. But people perceive risks differently, and you have to take that into account in the regulatory system uh, that you impose on industries uh, there. So, for example, um, when you're driving a car, you will perceive that you're in control. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you may uh, uh, accept or tolerate a greater level of risk there. If you're being exposed to radiation potentially from a nuclear accident where you've got greater fear, you have no control. So your perception of risk is different. So what matters to the public is not just the absolute numbers, but their perception of it and how they balance that off against the, the the benefits they perceive about it. Now, as we try and address climate change 
and developing safe, clean energy for all, then perhaps that perception may change. And perhaps then nuclear can play its fullest part in uh, delivering what the world needs, what uh, the public want, who we serve. Public perception is such a major element of mm -hmm. the success and the benefits that we can yeah. get from nuclear. Going back to the safety realm, what are the major safety hazards within nuclear power production? I would say the biggest hazard is being complacent. Stop being uh, careful. Stop being thinking about what you can learn, what you can improve there. Because the essence of a strong safety is strong safety culture. A strong safety culture is that uh, you always think about how you can improve, how you can learn from others, how you can question things that are happening. I remember an experience um, when we were trying to in the UK, increase the safety culture on sites of a station director going up the stairs because he was going away with bags in both hands. And the cleaner mm -hmm. stopped him and said, excuse me, sir, can I carry one of the bags up the stairs for you so you can hold the handrail? That is good safety culture. There. It percolates from simple things to people who are not afraid to challenge when they believe something is wrong. So... I would say the biggest hazard is being complacent there. Never stop being afraid of the hazard there. Because, because the energy is concentrated in a small volume, mm -hmm. then there is a large potential, but it is a potential. You guard against it with many systems, just using the basic simple functions to deliver safety. Containment, cooling, control, the three C's. Nuclear power plants have multiple safety systems to prevent accidents from happening and to reduce their effects should they occur. These systems perform three fundamental safety functions, summed up by the three C's. Control, cooling, containment. Control rods are inserted into the reactor to slow down or completely stop the chain reaction. Cooling systems remove heat from the reactor core and multiple layers of containment, such as meter-thick building walls, prevent the release of radioactive material to the environment. Mike also talked about complacency and its role in accidents. Now he will tell us how important stress tests are in the nuclear industry. Throughout the world, people have looked at using what was called stress tests, taking things further than you would normally experience to see how robust your systems are and thereafter improving those systems. Could you give an example of a stress test? What is that? It's a theoretical test of saying, okay, we have designed this plan for perhaps one in 10,000 year return period natural event, which we do in the UK. But then we say, what is the margin beyond that? Is it a cliff edge where if it was one in... 100,000 return period event, would it mean that suddenly everything would go and break? Can we survive through that? And we do that thought experiment, if you like, to take it further than what we're designed for. The three C's and stress test. These are some of the ways the nuclear industry is addressing the safety of their operations. The industry continues to improve and evolve. In this next segment, Minglish will speak with the head of Canada's nuclear regulator about the impact of the Fukushima Daiichi accident.
My name is Romina Velshi. I'm the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, Canada's nuclear regulator. I also happen to be the chair of the International Atomic Energy Agency's Commission on Safety Standards. This is the body that sets international safety standards and guidelines for um, countries around the world to, to use. To start with Canada, what action has been taken in Canada in the wake of the Fukushima Daiichi accident? The Fukushima Daiichi accident was a real wake-up call for us. And when this event happened, uh, we took, like most other countries, if not all countries, very uh, quick, immediate steps. One, to ascertain that the nuclear facilities in Canada were indeed safe, resilient, and the kinds of event that happened in Japan would not uh, put our, our facilities in a similar situation. So we mandated as the regulator all our nuclear licensees to do an assessment of their facilities that if a really truly severe unexpected event were to happen, were they prepared uh, to uh, respond to that? If there was no power available for a long period of time, could they still maintain all the safe uh, safety systems that were required? And did they have the wherewithal to withstand something totally unexpected? What Fukushima did was actually change the mindset. So instead of focusing efforts on accident prevention and what's the likelihood of something happening, this really pivoted our attention to, if this were to happen, can we respond to it? So it was no longer, is this likely to happen? It is if it happened. And and so the focus very much was around mitigation, one of the big le lessons we uh, were following very closely from uh, the Fukushima incident is how strong is our regulatory culture uh, within uh, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission? Um, do people feel comfortable raising issues uh, and uh, if their concerns are uh, being a strong independent regulator? A large uh, level of effort has been expended, continues to be expended, on our ability to communicate, to engage with our various stakeholders, with the public, to build trust. So during times of non-crisis, we've built that capital. So if there is um, the unlikely, but maybe event that there is a crisis, that they can depend on the regulator and trust it. You can never be complacent in this business, um, and uh, you don't need to have an accident or a crisis happen for you to realize, oops, I need to do better. That mentality of continuous improvement of self-assessment um, is ingrained, and we need to continue building on that. Um, and so, um, yes, Fukushima happened. We learned, we improved, and we continue to improve. We've been there before in, in some ways. So after Chernobyl, the industry and regulators and the IEA said that nuclear power is safer than ever before. Then Fukushima happened. Now we are again saying nuclear power is safer than ever before. Why should the public believe us now? I think after Chernobyl, we learned about the need for the international community uh, to hold the member countries to a standard and expectations around that. That's where some of the conventions um, got introduced. Um, and after that, yes, nuclear facilities were safer. 
and then Fukushima happened. And now today, 10 years later, we are saying things are safer. And yes, they are safer. After Fukushima, I think it's wrong to say these accidents can never happen. Probably a more realistic, a more prudent one is if such an accident were to happen, we are well prepared for it. And the impact of that would be extremely well managed. If it were to happen, we would be much, much better prepared around the world to handle something like that. There is much talk of innovative nuclear technologies, innovative nuclear reactors that are inherently safer given their technology. Where does Canada and the world stand on approving such reactors, licensing such reactors, where the chances for human error are minimized and therefore the chances for an accident are minimized? Uh, these new technologies and are they indeed safer? Uh, but I would just right at the outset say, yeah, they may be safer. Some of them are still just on paper, so we really don't know how safe they are. And But I would hate to say um, that, um, that our existing fleet isn't safe. We would not allow our existing to fleet uh, to operate if it wasn't safe. We have uh, a pan-Canadian approach where all the stakeholders have been brought in by our government to come up with a roadmap and an action plan uh, for deploying SMRs. Uh, for Canada to meet its uh, 2050 uh, climate targets, nuclear is expected to play a significant role. Nuclear has to be part of the mix. The IAEA is doing some great work with uh, the Commission on Safety Standards that I'm working on to do a gap analysis. Uh, are our existing fleet of standards adequate for uh, for, for providing guidance and standards for SMRs. So even from an IAEA, from a standards perspective, a lot of great progress has been made. And uh, so in the future, um, if um, the climate target uh, is to be met and predictions around nuclear are to happen, I can see thousands of SMRs getting deployed in well over 100 countries. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. As we heard from Mike and Romina, public perception and changing mindsets are part of the conversation when it comes to nuclear safety. The industry has learned, improved, and continues to improve. Our last guest on this episode is from the IAEA. My name is Gustavo Caruso. I am the director of the Nuclear Safety Department coordinating the Fukushima aspects. Given your work over the last 10 years, there's nobody who can tell us better than you whether nuclear power production has become safer now than before the accident in Fukushima? Of course, nuclear power plants, nuclear power reactors are safer than 10 years ago. And there were many, many aspects why this happened. The IEA, for example, we implemented together with member states the Nuclear Safety Action Plan, establishing the number of areas where considered that need can be improved, strengthened, in order to get higher level of safety, considering all lessons that, that happened from the accident. This action plan has a 12 important topics, just to mention some. The IEA safety standards, we revise all safety standards to, to check if all lessons and aspects from the accident were already considered. And, and we, we discuss with member states in which way we can improve the, the standards. Other aspects, uh, for example, are the, uh, the regulatory bodies, the independence of regulatory bodies, the, the uh, radiation safety, understanding that was one of the main issues of the accident. 
where it was very clear that the understanding of radiation effects were not um, disseminated properly to the entire population in Japan. That's why they created a lot of uncertainties and, and concerns about the population and also the people that were taking the decisions after the accident. An important aspect is the um, uh, member states at the national level, they have the national responsibility for safety. However, the IEA, we, we launched several programs to support them uh, to, to work together to improve safety in every nuclear installations and every important nuclear safety issue and in accordance to all the technical findings from the lessons from the accident. Uh, you said that there are more stringent technical requirements. But were these really necessary? Isn't the issue that the Fukushima accident was a result of human error, that they didn't follow the recommendations to prevent high waves from flooding the plant? Leadership for safety is one of the, what was the key element um, of this accident. Not only here in, in Fukushima, also with any other accident, Chernobyl or any other, other accident in other facilities, and also not only nuclear, any other fields. Therefore, we in the agency, we try to um, identify how we can support member states in improving the leadership for safety, taking into account different aspects like safety culture and the concepts that are very important for, the, for humans, for operators, for regulators to understand how human behavior on safety is so important. One of the recommendations following the accident has been to give real independence to regulators. But did the world need an accident to realize this? I mean, it sounds even to a non-specialist like a no-brainer that regulators would have to be independent and not influenced by industry. Could it be that the nuclear sector has other skeletons like this in their closet? Are there other problems that would only come to light, hmm. you know, if, God forbid, there's another accident? Mm -hmm. After Chernobyl, this concept of uh, independence of regulator and safety culture appear in the scene. We, we the agency, after Chernobyl, we initiated the process to strengthen the regulatory effectiveness and support regulatory bodies to be independent, authoritative, with the national capability to take decisions, to take independent decisions. We also created at the IEA services, peer review services, to check with our standard if those uh, in this independent, this capability uh, to take technical decisions are in place and to discuss what elements we can recommend to improve, to have better capability or independence in order to be in line with the, with the safety aspect today. There are many layers to safety. Technical, regulatory and leadership factors all have roles to play and safe operations and preparedness in the event of an accident. Public perception is important when it comes to nuclear power and nuclear technologies. Nuclear Explained is here to help demystify all things nuclear. As Mike says, Keep asking the questions. Keep talking to us. Keep challenging us, because that's good. It's, it's what I want to hear. It's what I want to be able to do, is talk with you. Um, not to persuade you, but to tell you the facts as I know them there, and to explain what we do. You will make up your own mind about whether we were doing enough and whether we're doing things that we should be doing. 
but all I want to do is use your challenge as a way of keeping me on my toes and keeping me uh, not being complacent as we go into the future. Thanks for listening to Nuclear Explained. Go to iaea.org forward slash podcasts for more information and resources related to this episode and more. Have a question or want to share feedback? Send us a voice recording or write to us at nuclearexplained at iaea.org. I'm Joanne Liu. And I am Miklos Gaspar. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to Nuclear Explained.